welcome to Murder Blows. This is Maisie talking, and today we're Cody's gonna blow our minds about the story of the boys on the tracks. And get ready for a lot of levels. Get ready to take notes, and get ready to have your mind blown. First of all, I want to apologize for editing out so much of that gun control talk because it was really great, but I was fucking eating through all of it, and so... <laughs> no, I couldn't believe you kept in any of it, to be honest. Not that we don't need to talk about gun control. But... Oh yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be in there, but so oh. I, I don't care what you edit out. I mean, it's a good, it's a good time to talk about it. Yeah. It just removed me from the call. Oh no, this is exciting. Too. Did it remove anybody else from the call? It's like Maisie. No. Okay. Yeah, Maisie's gone. Okay. Um, I tested everything. We should be ready to go. Maisie, did you research this case? Um, I failed you. I did very little, and I was like, I don't even know what I'm listening to anymore. Does anybody know what this is about? I just want to know. I'm just curious. I don't care if you all researched it. No. I kind, of, I kind of like when I don't realize what the case is, because, like, even... Oh, you guys are in for a treat, then. <laughs> this is the case of the boys on the tracks, as in railroad tracks, and it takes place in Bryant, Arkansas, or Alexandria, Arkansas, and this is a rural area just outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. It's close to the Mina Air Airport, and... It's just outside of the city, but it still has a lot of woods and um, pretty rural. Um, this case takes place on August 23rd, 1987. It was a Saturday night. 17-year-old Kevin Ives and 16-year-old Don Henry were out with friends, and they had a curfew of 1230 a.m. So they went out. They were teenagers at the time, and they were just hanging out with groups of people going around town. And about 1215, they went back to Don's house. And they asked uh, Don's dad if they could go spotlighting, which I know what that is because I lived in the sticks once. And it's a form of hunting that you take a giant light and you shine it on animals. And then they also took their gun, so I guess maybe that they could kill some animals or hunt something. So the two boys left about 12.15 with their spotlight, rifle, flashlight, and... About 4 a.m. that morning, which would have been early Sunday morning, there was a freight train which was traveling through the area. And through this area, there were several railroad tracks. And I remember, like, growing up in the 80s, there were more trains and railroad tracks going than as of now. And these trains were basically on a schedule where they would pass through at a certain time each night. And conductor Jerry and engineer Steve were uh, driving this train and they saw something on the tracks and they're kind of used to seeing like, you know, deer or cows or just random things. But this was something on the tracks and it wasn't moving. So as they got about a hundred feet away, 
they realized that it was two bodies laying on the tracks covered up with a tarp. And the train was going about 55 miles an hour. So when they tried to, you know, lay on the whistles and the horn and the brakes at 100 feet away from these bodies, the train didn't stop. It went for another half mile. And since they had hit things before, they kind of presumed that it was going to be bloody. And they were really devastated because they knew that they hit two bodies and they just weren't sure what was going to be there. So after the train stopped, they went back and they noticed that there was a lack of blood and that the blood that was there was darker in color. It didn't appear to be fresh. Um, the local sheriffs showed up as well as a state trooper that did not have jurisdiction, but was just kind of in the area. And they started looking through kind of like picking up body parts and the way the bodies were laid on the tracks, you know how a train has its wheels on the track. Well, they were laid like parallel to each other across the tracks. So the train like would ravage their ankles or their legs and cut mm -hmm. off the feet, but their torsos were intact still because they were like underneath the train. Yeah. Sorry guys. No, sorry. Acting, but the description, anything you listen to or read about this section of the case is the most disturbing thing. It's awful. In a while. Because <laughs> if you know anything about, like, medical, anything about the medical world, you know that the blood was a red flag. And there's so many other red flags, and I'm so disturbed. But I'm Yeah, and, well, it's kind of like you think... When I first started to research this, I was just thinking a train hit bodies and there's just going to be pieces of bodies everywhere. Ugh. Not really, not, <laughs> not oh, really no. thinking, <laughs> not really thinking that the body part of the torso is going to be under the train and it's not yeah. going to get touched by the train. Right. So there are going to be ways to do autopsies. So the conductor and the engineer get out and they're looking around and the sheriff two sheriffs and a state trooper that did not have jurisdiction, but he was just kind of in the area show up and it's dark. It's the middle of the night. They're kind of looking around for body parts and evidence. And there's another train that is scheduled to come through and go in the opposite direction about this time. And instead of stopping the train and being like, no, you can't pass through here. This is a crime scene. They, sheriffs were just like, this is an accident, a traffic accident, and you can go ahead and pass through. So there was another train that went through the crime scene and potentially through evidence. So the conductor and the engineer were trying to tell the sheriffs, like, there was a tarp over these bodies. And the sheriffs were kind of laughing at them, mocking at them. There's no tarp here, which the tarp could have very well been sucked under the train and taken and been stuck under one of the many train carts on this train. Like, no idea, or have just been demolished. But um, they really wouldn't look for the tarp. They did recover pieces of the gun that the boys had with them. Um, and they kind of did the best they could cleaning up that night. Well, the next day... They never roped off the crime scene. And the next day, um, the family and, of course, other people went up to the area 
and somebody found like a piece of a severed foot. And the investigation lasted about a week. Other, another family member of one of the boys went up and found um, like a piece of cardboard that had blood on it. And they thought it may have been used to transport the bodies actually onto the tracks. And they gave it to the sheriff's office and like this piece of cardboard with blood on it has just disappeared. Completely. Oh, convenient. Yeah. So about a week later, they get to visit the medical examiner. And this is a medical examiner appointed by the state of Arkansas. And at the time, the governor was Bill Clinton. And the medical examiner's name was Fami Malik. And this guy is a trip, let me tell you. Um, I've heard family, of him before. Yes, yes. It's, he's, you just wait. So uh, <laughs> the family went to, you know, receive the autopsy of what had happened to their boys, you know. And the family is kind of like, this wasn't an accident, you know. You can hear a train coming. And Fami reports that the boys smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes and passed out on the tracks. Um, that was his ruling. Pause for a bullshit. <laughs> Me, yeah, as exactly. Well, by the way, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, even if that is like could happen, which it can't, how did they pass out exactly parallel to each other and then cover themselves up with a tarp? Right next to each other. How did they smoke 20 marijuana cigarettes? Like, that's a lot. I'm high as a I'm going to take a nap right here next to you, buddy. And they even went back, like, Unsolved Mysteries did a case on this, and, like, there was a guy that tried to lay on the tracks, and when the train was, like, a half mile away, he couldn't lay there. Like, it sounded like jackhammers coming at him. So even if they were passed out on something... There's no way that this train would not have woke them up. And the conductor and the engineer were both, like, destroyed by this on the Unsolved Mysteries interview. And they just couldn't even believe that, like, the boys didn't even flinch when they were laying on the horns and the whistles and the brakes and everything. So the parents, they had a really hard time believing this, you know, Fami Malik, 20 joints and passed out on the train track. Scenario. I'm so sad that you didn't tell me that, that Unsolved Mysteries or whatever tried to smoke 20 cigarettes. 20 <laughs> marijuana cigarettes. I, I really thought that's where that was going. How do I get that job? <laughs> right? I am here right? to it's possible to smoke 20 marijuana cigarettes for science. It's for science. It's for the I don't practice. even... I don't even know that you can actually test levels of THC. Like, I think THC either, like, shows up positive or negative. I don't even know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a medical examiner, but oh. seriously, like. You'd be like, you... oh, there were positively 20 at least. 20 joints. <laughs> 20. And this guy had terrible, terrible outcomes in other cases, too. And you'll hear more of those as this progresses. Um, the family wanted a second medical examiner's opinion, which is completely reasonable. And another medical examiner, I guess, was found for them. And they went through all of this again to find out what happened. And the second medical examiner happened to just concur with the first medical examiner, except for they didn't run any additional tests, even though there was like a bladder and part of the torso and blood and things they could have tested. They just read over Fami's readings and were like, yeah, we concur with these. It's all good. So 
the family, of course, is still just like, what is going on? So they, this guy comes along. His name is Dan Harmon. And he's a pretty important character, so you'll want to remember his name. And he's like, yeah, this is a little ridiculous. Let's reinvestigate these deaths, and let's do it with a grand jury. So he gathers a grand jury, and he's control, in control of the grand jury and all of the evidence and everything. And he actually gets the case overturned from accidental to probable homicide, which is what it should have been in the first place. And the family also brings in Dr. Burton from Atlanta. And this is a doctor from out of town. And he wants to run tests and see maybe what Fami maybe have missed because he obviously didn't do a very good job. Um, and he finds in the evidence there was a shirt that wasn't on the boys, but it was laying beside the boys in, in the scene of the accident. And he realized that, that there was cuts in the shirt. And he did some tests, and he realized that the shirt wasn't cut by, like, getting grinded up by a train. It was actually cut with a knife. So he looks at one of the bodies, and one of the boys had similar knife cuts on his body that matched up with this T-shirt. So that was, like, the first thing that came up that was concerning to the parents. Um, and another boy had a bruise on his face and skull fractures. And he concluded that these probably didn't uh, concur from, like, the train hitting them when they were placed on the tracks. So <clears throat> through this whole ordeal with Fami, like, messing up this entire thing, um, the community kind of becomes outraged and kind of demands, like, hey, this guy needs replaced. And Bill Clinton is like, well, he, he wasn't elected. He was appointed. And there's a commission that's supposed to take care of this. And they didn't do their job, so there's really nothing we can do about it. He's just going to stay medical examiner. And Fami not only got to keep his job, but he got a $14,000 a year raise. Oh, that's fine. Great, huh? Great. Oh. Okay. Now, is everybody, is everybody with me? Is everybody good? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just want to point out and say that I think that to get that raise, Bill Clinton must have been smoking 20 marijuana cigarettes. All right, yeah. I will never call a joint anything other than a marijuana, than a marijuana cigarette. cigarette. I know. Never again. I have to because this is, like, all reported from the 80s, so it's all marijuana yeah. cigarettes. Oh, how cute, though. <laughs> I know, right? Little marijuana Slim, Virginia Slims. <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh. Is that what my grandma smoked? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. So this brings us to the Mina Airport, which is an important aspect of this case. Uh, the Mina Airport is an airport in the 1980s, and it was used as a CIA drop point for drug trafficking and money laundering. And it sounds kind of crazy that I'm just saying, hey, the CIA laundered drugs and money, but you'll have to hear me out. Uh, it was rumored to be set up by the Reagan's war on drugs, but you never know about that. And how this started was there was a guy named Barry Steele. And in the 80s, he was caught smuggling drugs into the US. And Barry gets busted. And he decides that he's going to make a deal with the CIA to help them kind of rat out other people, be an informant, and it works. The CIA gives him a reduced sentence, 
and gives him a C-123 aircraft and bases him out of Mena, Arkansas. Also, after this, there was a really confusing war going on in Central America, and I tried to research this, but it was super confusing. Like, I couldn't figure out who was the good guys and who was the bad guys. If there were, I have no idea. All I know is the CIA hired Barry and his aircraft to fly guns into Nicaragua. And the U.S. was supplying one of the sides of this war with guns. And Barry was to fly these guns into Nicaragua. Well, Barry decided that he wanted to work both sides. And on the way back, he was going to fly cocaine and marijuana back into the U.S., back into the MENA airport. And so on the ground in MENA, Barry had like CIA officials and government officials and just people of muscle helping him get these drugs off the plane and selling them and making money. And there was billions of dollars in drugs and more money to be made. The estimate was like three to five billion dollars. And this was back in probably the mid 80s. So that's a lot of money. Um, and there were also rumored to be other pilots doing this as well. Uh, Barry wasn't the only one because Barry was actually murdered in 1986, which is a year before the boys uh, got killed. So in 1987, this operation was still going on in the area. And a lot of the locals that lived around this airport and these train tracks knew about the drugs. Um, and as far as how corrupt it was and how far it went up, it's kind of anyone's guess. Um, Bill was protecting like appointed government employees to get drugs maybe into the inner cities, but who knows at this point? That could be a conspiracy. That could be maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Uh, rumor has it that right before these boys got killed, a drop went missing, and they were really concerned this night about drugs going missing from these drops. So they decided to uh, haul in some extra muscle, some extra uh, sheriff, and everybody was on high alert to protect these drug drops. Some drug drops were done at the airport, but some of them were done like in a field in the middle of the night. Some of them were actually done off of the trains. Um, and that brings us to eyewitness accounts. Is everybody still there? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. good. I'm worried. so invested. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right. So we've got the boys, and we've got the crazy medical examiners rolling, and we've got the case kind of like opened back up with the grand, grand jury, and we've got the MENA airport thing going on. So we need some eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts to this, okay? Mm -hmm. So the eyewitness accounts go the whole way up to 1993. It was kind of one of those things where as the years went, people kind of came out with different things. And they're really hard to research because they were all over the place. Um, but there was one boy that had been with Kevin and Don prior that night um, before they had went home and asked Don's dad to go spotlighting. He had been hanging out with uh, the boys and he was on his motorcycle and he was hanging out with the boys and he saw the boys being confronted by a sheriff. And before 
the boys got confronted by the sheriff, he got on his motorcycle and left. He didn't want anything to do with the sheriff. Um, there was another eyewitness that, let's see here. This guy, this is crazy. This is where it gets twisted, all right? Dan Harmon, which is the guy that decided to take on the case and get the grand jury involved. An eyewitness came out and said, they were hanging around the area that night that the boys got hit, and they saw Dan there at the tracks with the boys that night and with two other men. And he knew about Ugh. this. <laughs> he knew that it was Dan because Dan had dated his mom, and he recognized Dan. Ugh. <laughs> so it kind of makes you wonder. That doesn't sit well. <laughs> No, no. There was also another lady that had dated Dan while Dan was married, and she comes out later to tell her story. She confessed to being around Dan that night, and apparently when she was with Dan, he kept her, like, drugged up. Like, she was on coke all of the time. And she also stated that Dan said that these teen boys had been, like, had came aware of the drops and were kind of, like, getting curious about them whether they just wanted to know what was going on or whether they were like, hey, what if we get these drugs and we can sell them and make some money? You know, nobody really knows. Um, but she stated that Dan knew that these boys had found out about the drugs and that they were going to try to intercept them. Um, and she also knew that one of the boys was stabbed, which only came out in the third autopsy. Mm. Um, yeah, crazy. And this all sounds promising. Like, this sounds like, oh, man, these are some great eyewitnesses. You know, like, we've got yeah. this. But since Dan Harmon is control of the grand jury and the evidence and finding the eyewitnesses, this is where it gets fun. All right. Well, this so is where. So the lady, <laughs> yeah, this is where it gets fun. So the lady that uh, dated Dan and comes out and admits all this as an eyewitness she ends up with a drug charge, and she is in prison for 30 years. So she's no longer an eyewitness. Um, the kid that had been hanging out with the boys when the sheriff shows, showed up and he ran off on his motorcycle, um, he ran into, less than like a year later, he ran into a motorcycle, or he ran, he ran his motorcycle into a semi-truck. Hmm. But people heard that he was being chased and there was also an account of his throat being slashed. Oh but we'll, we'll never really know because guess who was the meadow examiner on that case? Oh, Malik. Fami Malik. He was Fami. the medical examiner. Fami, that's his name. <laughs> yeah. So there was another man that came forward with information, but he was locked up for past Jewish child support. And when he was released, he mysteriously left town. Nobody can find him. Nobody even knows his name. Even though he was in jail, like, nobody knows his name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even have a name. Man number two had info. Um, this is a great one, too. He was found to be decapitated in his house. Uh, Fami Malik rolled his death as a stomach ulcer. What? Those two are very similar. I'm not even kidding. I've seen a decapitated body. But when I look at one, I just think, ulcer. Oh, yeah. Is that not an advertisement for Tums or some shit? I don't know what it is. 
Does your head and feel it like chopped gets... off? <laughs> it gets worse after that. Like, oh they asked him, they were like, the, how, well, listen to this. They were like, well, Fani, how did his head get chopped off? And Fami was like, well, the guy had a dog, and he was alone, dead, in the house for a week with the dog, so the dog must have chewed his head off. Okay, so you told me to listen to a podcast about this case, and I started listening yeah. to it, and I was, like, doing other stuff, not really paying attention, and then I heard this part, and I was like, where did the dog come in? What's yeah. happening? That's why I was like, this has so many levels. Good luck, girl. <laughs> and then, on top of that, they found, they found the guy's head later, like, uh, after this. And so they were like, Fami, man, we found the guy's head. And Fami's like, oh, that's easy. The dog regurgitated his head. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Dogs don't. Yeah, so don't, you know. But is it like ulcers, the world's biggest mastiff that would regurgitate a whole human head? Like right? the dog like, from the sandlot? <laughs> yeah, is it a fucking T-Rex? Like, explain. Right? I need pictures. <laughs> Fami, you know, I don't know. It's great. It's great. Okay, so that brings us to eyewitness man number three. And all these people have names, but there's so many names in this case that I just wanted the main names to stick out, like Dan, Kevin, Donald, and um, Fami. <sighs> so, all right. Man number three was rumored to be one of the men that was with the boys on the tracks that night, okay? And this man, there was basically on the tracks, there were the two teenage boys, and then there were three other men. One of the men was Dan Harmon, and then this was one of the other men. And he told everybody that, you know, he was being followed. He had information on this case. He was being followed. And when the current sheriff lost his election, that you know, something was going to happen to him. He was going to be killed. Like, he just knew he was going to be killed. He was telling everybody. So, sure enough, one night, this guy that was supposedly there on the tracks with Dan and the boys was stabbed 100 times during a break-in at his home. <sighs> he was also rolled up into a carpet. Um, mm -hmm. They convicted the next-door neighbor of doing this. The next-door neighbor... Um, had a low IQ and um, I guess visited this guy from time to time and uh, he noticed that uh, they noticed he had some stuff from his house and so they just slapped it on him Aww. and locked him up. Uh, two more men with info, men number three and men number four. Um, these are on separate occasions. One was found shot, set on fire, and put in a landfill and another one um, was found shot, but he was cremated before there was an autopsy. Oh, that's the biggest red flag I've ever heard. Yeah. So actually, yeah. I just learned that this is incredibly common. Prisoners are so much more efficient than uh, the justice system <laughs> that they're just like, oh, I got another one. Burn. And so, mm. yep, less, less awful than you think, probably. Could, yeah, could still be crazy, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, now we have grand jury members that were actually being called to be on the grand jury. Um, there was one grand jury member, number one, died from three gunshot wounds via shotgun, and one of them was in the face. And Fami Malik called it as a suicide. So I don't know how you shoot yourself 
three times with a shotgun, but apparently this guy did it. Uh, grand jury member number two asked to testify, but he disappeared. Nobody knows what happened to him. He was rumored to be dead. Um, and grand jury member number three was also killed by a shotgun. And I don't have any more information on that one. So out of all those people, we have one was jailed, two just straight up vanished and disappeared, vanished, and six ended up dead. Um, two of them lived. Um, the one guy lived that had been uh, date that the one guy that said that he saw Dan and he knew Dan because Dan dated his mom. He lived, but he didn't come out till 93. Um, so, yeah. You guys still there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. So, in the meantime, in the mid-90s, um, the parents didn't have any answers because the grand jury kind of fell apart because all the eyewitnesses just kind of disappeared or ended up dead. And this Dan Harmon guy was actually finally charged with possession of drugs, extortion, racketeering. And he was charged with uh, Roger Clinton, which is Bill Clinton's mother, or brother. Um, and we also have another guy that was an eyewitness at the time, but the cop said he was a drunk and so nobody took him seriously. So um, there's like two people out of like 12 that still had information on this case in the late 90s. Uh, over 30 years, there were still no answers. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where the drug drops in the area got blamed on the Republicans, and then they turned around and blamed it on the Democrats. It was like, well, Ronald Reagan knew about this, and it was like, no, Bill Clinton was governor. And basically, the jurisdiction of the case kind of got pushed from federal back to state. Nobody wanted to deal with it. The lady that went to jail for 30 years on the drug charge charged by Dan was actually released in 1999 because Huckabee reduced her sentence. Uh, Dan was almost charged again in 2010 for drug charges, but there was insignificant evidence for that. Uh, one of the prosecuting attorneys in this case moved away and the people that moved into his house found a secret room. And this is years after uh, they called the police. Yeah. They called the police and they were like, Hey, we moved into this house. This prosecuting attorney used to live here. We found this drug room and there's paraphernalia in here. And we don't know what to do with it. And they were like, just take it to the landfill. And they were like, um, the secret, was it like a bookcase that swiveled around and then it was a room? I have no idea, but I'll, I'll look that up next time. Ooh, was it behind a bathroom mirror? Let's pretend. <laughs> He's so crazy. Oh, my God. So the cops were like, just take it to the dump. And they were like, no, we don't want to be pulled over with all of this paraphernalia in our car. And they were <gasps> like, okay. They were like, we'll send an escort to escort you to the dump. Like, they okay. didn't even want to see it. They didn't want anything to do with it. They just wanted it thrown away. And in the meantime, Fami was promoted to the state health department. Good job, Fami. Good job, Fami. You're the winner. Okay. <clears throat> So, basically, the Unsolved Mysteries that was released in the 80s is Season 1, Episode 5. So, it was one of the first episodes of Unsolved Mysteries released. 
And they have about as much information on that unsolved mysteries as is known today. Like, nothing has just happened. It just all kind of went away. Except for the other day. Ooh. Yeah. My friend keeps me up to date on everything, and she sent me this article, and I couldn't even believe it. I read the article, and it was about this WWE wrestler named Billy Haynes that had came forward to said he – and he said that he witnessed these murders and he implicated law enforcement and high elected officials. What? He, yeah, he admitted that the murders were connected to a cocaine smuggling ring and that there was a far reaching cover up by cr- a criminal politician. He claimed he had, he had known of this because he used to get his supply from Barry, his Coke supply from Barry back in the day. Uh, before Barry got caught and started working for the CIA. Mm. And then Barry kind of introduced him over the years to other people working in the government. When 1987, they needed some muscle for this drug drop that was going on because people had started figuring these out and one came up missing. And so they flew him down to Arkansas and hired him to provide muscle for this drop. He was supposed to make sure nothing was stolen by anybody involved in the pickup, like as far as other sheriffs that were there, any other government people that were there as well. He claimed that the boys stumbled upon the drop and that they were caught and beaten to death by the lawmen. He helped to move the bodies onto the tracks. And Kevin's mother, Linda, was actually sitting beside him listening to the entire recorded confession. No. Um, oh. it, and this just happened. I mean, out of nowhere, like February 18th, or Linda. February 19th, excuse me, the 19th of this year, this just came out. And the whole testimony of the tape, like it hasn't been released yet, but this is just kind of the summary of it. Um, basically, the mother is hoping for, you know, local or state or federal law enforcement, somebody to do something. Um, and that article was from the Daily Mail UK. What was February the wrestler's 19th. name again? Uh, Billy Jack Haynes. Okay. I'm looking for that article, Cody. I can't find it. <laughs> He's 62 years old now. I can oh. resend it to you later. Yeah. Please. I can't believe I went through all of that. I thought it would take me a lot longer. Hell yeah. That was, but it, killed it. It's just a crazy story. Like, these boys did not die from marijuana cigarettes, first of all. 20 of them, are you sure? 20 of them? No. Like, no. And then they find skull fractures and knife wounds on their shirts and on their bodies. And then all of these people end up dead in the process of them trying to solve case. Which is like, it's a conspiracy case because of the government involvement and everything, but how many, like, when you're researching it, you start to come to a point where you're like, is this really a conspiracy? Because all of these people ended up dead. Like, it can't be a coincidence that 12 people ended up dead, jailed, or disappeared. And is is anybody, like, going back and looking at that or is that just like well that's what happened it was just kind of like well that's happened because um like 
with the drug drops and everything, they, they tried to say, like, it was Reagan's war on drugs, that he was really bringing in drugs through this airport and that he was distributing them to cities with, you know, minorities and arresting them. And then the Republicans were like, oh, no, Bill Clinton was governor. And he's, I mean, I've listened to other things where, like, Bill has been known to do cocaine by people. And so, and then his brother was arrested from it. So it's kind of like, you know, was there a conspiracy or how much of this is, is true? Like, and nobody ever has done anything about it. It's just kind of been pushed over and covered up. And then, like, Bill became president. Like, so. So they were like, definitely not saying anything now. No. And then FAMI, of course, got promoted. Even FAMI, even the crappy medical examiner that everybody complained about and tried to make him lose his job got promoted to the state health department. Like, what is that? I hope he took a pay cut. <laughs> I know, right? hope he lost his $14,000. I got it. My brain is still... That that Alex. has so many levels. And every time you said cocaine, all I can think of was the Eric Clapton song. <laughs> all you Sing have it for us. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because when Cody started talking about the name of this story, the only way I could remember it, and, like, when I'm telling people about it, was to sing it, like, Bees in the Trap by Nicki Minaj. No! <laughs> so it's like, boys on the track. Boys on the track. <laughs> That's some new intro music there. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremiah. <laughs> He's gonna be so upset. Ugh. Man. Oh, they. Wow. I mean, I got mad at my doctor for telling me that I didn't need to come in for a physical every year because I was a young, healthy woman. Like, I can only imagine how angry I would be if they told me that someone died from an ulcer who had no fucking head. <laughs> right? <laughs> All the time. Casual shit. Look, I went to college for accounting, but I don't need a medical degree to tell you <laughs> that he might have had some upset stomach issues, but it didn't lead him to lose his head. But it was That's... a dog. The dog chewed his head off. But, yeah. <laughs> what kind and of then, dog is like, this head <laughs> coming off? Like... And then ate it and threw it, threw it back up. That's one thing, regurgitate it. Like, oh. like, whoa. Like, we found this head. There's no bite marks at all. In fact, no, it was a clean cut. It was a clean laceration. Cut. The yeah. dog just has like razor sharp teeth. Like, is he a robot dog? Oh, Ro definitely. Definitely a robot dog. So, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that like government to some level was involved, or do you think it was like just a couple corrupt people? Or I think it was a really high number. And I don't really delve into conspiracy theories, but I feel like there has to be something going on on one of those many levels for there, there to be 12 people either in jail or dead or disappeared. Because that's freaking crazy. That makes zero sense. Yeah. Unless, I couldn't it, unless it. it's haunted. Unless it was a haunted It was just case. like one after another, too. I was like, is this, am I done? Am I done finding people? Am I done? That's ridiculous. I think that... I'm gonna live in my basement, uh, and wait, wait, I'm, I'm gonna go off the grid, like, this is, uh, <laughs> I, 
I think if it wasn't, I mean, it had to be government involved. It, it, it just all adds up so easily. That It's stuff like that that I'm, I just have to sit there. I'm just like, is this why so many people do these podcasts? Because when you think about it, like, I can't even. I literally can't even. Just, everything I right so there. Much to talk about. Like, if I was a judge, yeah. I would have, what's the phrase? Thrown the book at them. Right. One, I would have I sent Fami, Fami, whatever, <laughs> to a hospital to retrain. Also, maybe watch a dog try and regurgitate a head. <laughs> I don't know how we can arrange that. But what in the world? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand. He's like, what's the most logical? Like, anything else. Anything else. Right. You could have been like right. he fell on a knife, and I would have. And been I like, mean, maybe the right. guy was really maybe Fami was like terrified that he was gonna end up with a regurgitated head, you know. But still, yeah, reg- so regurgitated. Is the way to go. <laughs> All I picture is that like Chihuahua eating <laughs> exactly and just going <laughs> like <laughs> just there's a head, no noodles, just head. Yep. Freaking Fami. <laughs> the only way I'm gonna watch a dog try to regurgitate a human head is if I've had 21 mar- mar- marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> marijuana cigarettes. I almost said margarita cigarettes, and that doesn't seem so bad. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think somebody should have meant those. Oh my god. Well, like they did find a little bit of pot on the boys that night that was in their pocket. Those but, I mean, that's, that's kind of typical <laughs> of, like, 16 and 17-year-old teenage boys. But it, my thing is, it's like, well, if they smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes, why didn't they finish it off? Like, right, why they were they... too close. Also, didn't the parents <laughs> find that? Like, the police didn't? I think so. I think like, you're right. Like, the mom I... got her, jacket, her son's jacket back, and she was like, what's this in the pocket? Yes! Yes, they exactly. didn't even try to see what was in the boys' pockets. They were like, "There's, there had to be 20 marijuana cigarettes here. That's the only one. one. <laughs> don't understand. Yeah. I don't either. That's not how you're supposed to end Cody. You're supposed to understand. Supposed I know. To... <laughs> I'm supposed to... I mean, the best clarification I got was from this article, but of course, at the end of the article, they were like, well, this guy is known to lie before. The wrestler. He, he He's lied before. <laughs> I'm like, well, so is everybody. Yeah, but, I was gonna I say, mean, hold on. Like, but, like his details match what that one doctor autopsy guy number three brought from the case so i mean how much clearer yeah. do you need to get i mean yeah it is 2018 he could have done a little bit of research on the internet but i mean is he that bored also why would he like sacrifice his reputation like i was reading about him on his wikipedia and i was like this guy was like pretty straight laced from what i can tell like at least on public paper i could be wrong this could be in the corrections uh bit at the end of the next (laughs) episode but like i was looking at pictures and i was like that's a handsome man not that handsome men can't do cocaine i'm sure they can i just different time (laughs) (laughs) absolutely but yeah and and not that anyways but that was my thing i was like he looks pretty pretty fucking normal like why would he sacrifice his reputation after all these years to be like yeah i did a ton of cocaine <laughs> like i i don't understand i don't get it maybe he how needed some it? money how old was this guy he's now 62 
So he had to be. So 30 years ago, he was in his 30s. I was going to say, maybe he was like old and senile, but that's not it. Dang. Good one, Cody. That was a good one. That's a a thinker. Can anything else go wrong in this? Like, can anything else be crazy? And, I mean, who knows? I mean, they had Barry, who, you know, I mean, if you Google Barry Seals, like, he was known for smuggling drugs. And the CIA hired him. Like, how conspiracy does that get? Takes one Just that. <laughs> yes, this podcast is not sponsored by Amazon Prime, but, you know, if you want to do that, <laughs> hit us up, because we really like it. Amazon Prime, <laughs> let me tell you about how much I use your service. No. When you say free on Amazon Prime, do you still have, you to, have like, to sign up and pay for it? Yeah, you I have mean, to You have to uh, be a member. You know, pay your $108 to get free shipping. Yeah. And then you get and then you get free unsolved mysteries. Worth it. And SpongeBob. And yeah. SpongeBob. For real? Uh also For like real. a free book a week or a, f- yeah. a free book a month and then uh if you live in one of free one of free one of four uh jeez. <laughs> one of four metropolitan areas, their partnership with Whole Foods now allows them to deliver Whole Foods to your door. And so <laughs> they deliver stuff on Sundays now. Yes, thank like, God. I get mail on Sundays from Amazon, and I live in BFE, so it's freaking, and, I feel bad for my mailman, though. Yeah. And the Amazon logistics company stopped throwing the packages at my door, so <laughs> doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so back to the case. I'm a little, like, bummed that those two kids died. That's awful. I'm not as bummed as last week, and it's not a competition, but at least I'm thinking and not just crazy depressed. Right. <laughs> I think uh, oh, yeah. that's what kind of makes that case so good. I, mean, I think we are going to have these cases where, like, at the end of it, like, one of us is done ranting and raving about how upset we are, and they're like, and that's it. That's just it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But on a positive note, Maisie, you said you had a corrections corner slash shout out. I'll start with the shout out. So there is a show on Netflix called Queer Eye. Has anybody watched it? Is that what Queer is Eye it? for the Straight Guy? It's just Queer Eye. Okay, so there was a show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, right? Yes. There was. Yes. And it, is okay. it a makeover show? Yeah. It's I don't know. Thing. I remember. Reboot. Okay. Sweet. It's very good. It's very, if you want your soul to be happy, just watch it. Um, it's based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and, mm-hmm. and they take these guys and then they make them over or whatever and make their lives great. And they went to a barber shop where they sold my friend. So I have a friend. What? Yeah, named Eric Dale and Allie, and they run Arcadian Grooming, and their products were used in Queer Eye. Ooh. And actually, my social media gave them a shout out, and the salon they were at, they gave them a shout out. So, a shout out to Arcadian Grooming. Hells yeah. They're moving up in the world. They're doing great. And my friend Allie is a part of that business. She's the one that listens to our podcast and has the corrections for us. So, they all know your change. Nice. It's a, it's a very serious correction. 
We were talking about, after the Andrea Yates case, we were talking about who swallowed the watermelon seed in Rugrats, and it was Chucky. <laughs> it was oh, Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> you fucking rude. That was my fault. So the funniest thing about this whole corrections corner was, I was like, oh shit, it's me. It's me. I did something wrong. And then I was like, no, dumbass, you haven't even done a case yet. <laughs> no, it was me. <laughs> Get your Rugrats shit together. What do you think this is? A game? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that oh. was, she was like she she's one of those people like text like every bubble is a different sentence pretty much so it's not all one thought and she was like mm. Chucky swallowed a seed <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be real careful where you use that, that terminal <laughs> she was like oh. I'm listening I love it but so shout out but. to Allie Arcade. good job thanks guys. Allie yeah thank you <laughs> Okay. Do you guys want to? Lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to know how I'm doing my case next week? Yes. I don't know what it is though. I don't know what it is. Surprise. Okay, you got it. Um. Okay. So I want. I really want to learn about something I don't know. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take the list of countries that participate in the UN. Ooh. And I'm going to have them alphabetical. I'm gonna run a random number generator. I'm going to remove the United States, hold on, because international, uh, run a random number generator and pick whatever country that comes up as, and then find a murder in that country. How do you do everything that you do? Like That will just... take three seconds. <laughs> but that sounds like a 28-step process, and I'm... It does, so, yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you going to do it live on, on the podcast? Live? No, 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 I can't make I... up, I can't, I gotta take notes and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, but I thought I might record, like, me doing that and then post it on the Twitter as a teaser so you know yes. else what country it's going to be. Hell yeah. Sweet. Good idea. I mean, I can't post it on the Twitter, but I'll send it to you, Maisie. Thank you for you plug, plug our Twitter. I don't, I'm not logged into it anymore. So, I don't, I don't know. How do we end this? Like this. <laughs> Wait, can yeah. I pee?